going into the park to do pastoral dances. I don't know if you know that sort of feeling you get on these days round about the end of April, the beginning of May, when the skies are light blue with cotton wool clouds and there's a bit of a breeze blowing from the west. A kind of uplifted feeling, romantic if you know what I mean. I'm not much of a ladies' man, but on this particular morning, it seemed to me that what I really wanted was some charming girl to buzz up and ask me to save her from assassins or something. So that it was a bit of an anticlimax when I merely ran into young Bingo Little, looking perfectly foul in a crimson satin tie decorated with horseshoes. Hello, Bertie, said Bingo. My God, man, I gargled. The cravat, the gent's neckwear. Why? For what reason? Oh, the tie. He blushed. I, um, I was given it. He seemed embarrassed, so I dropped the subject. We toddled along a bit and sat down on a couple of chairs by the serpentine. Jeeves tells me you want to talk to me about something, I said. Eh? said Bingo with a start. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I waited for him to unleash the topic of the day, but he didn't seem to want to get going. Conversation languished. He stared straight ahead of him in a glassy sort of manner. I say, Bertie, he said, after a pause of about an hour and a quarter. Hello. Do you like the name Mabel? No. No? No. You don't think there's a kind of music in the word, like the wind rustling gently through the treetops? No. He seemed disappointed for a moment, then cheered up. Of course, you wouldn't. You always were a fat-headed worm without any soul, weren't you? Just as you say. Who is she? Tell me all. For I realize now that poor old Bingo was going through it once again. Ever since I have known him, and we were at school together, he has been perpetually falling in love with someone, generally in the spring, which seems to act on him like magic. At school he had the finest collection of actresses' photographs of anyone of his time, and at Oxford his romantic nature was a byword. You'd better come along and meet her at lunch, he said, looking at his watch. A ripe suggestion, I said. Where are you meeting her? At the Ritz. Near the Ritz. He was geographically correct. About fifty yards east of the Ritz, there is one of those blighted tea and bun shops you see dotted about all over London. And into this, if you'll believe me, young Bingo dived like a homing rabbit. And before I had time to say a word, we were wedged in at a table on the brink of a silent pool of coffee left there by an early luncher. I'm bound to say I couldn't quite follow the development of the scenario. Bingo, while not absolutely rolling in the stuff, has always had a fair amount of the ready. Apart from what he got from his uncle, I knew that he had finished up the jumping season well on the right side of the ledger. Why then was he lunching the girl at this godforsaken eatery? It couldn't be because he was hard up. Just then the waitress arrived. Rather a pretty girl. Aren't we going to wait? I started to say to Bingo, thinking it somewhat thick that in addition to asking a girl to lunch with him in a place like this, he should fling himself on the foodstuffs before she turned up. When I caught sight of his face, and stopped. The man was goggling. His entire map was suffused with a rich blush. He looked like the soul's awakening done in pink. Hello, Mabel, he said with a sort of gulp. Hello, said the girl. Mabel, said Bingo, this is Bertie Wooster, a pal of mine. Pleased to meet you, she said. Nice morning. Fine, I said. You see, I'm wearing the tie, said Bingo. It suits you beautiful, 
said the girl. Personally, if anyone had told me that a tie like that suited me, I should have risen and struck them on the mazard, regardless of their age and sex. But poor old Bingo simply got all flustered with gratification and smirked in the most gruesome manner. Well, what's it going to be today? asked the girl, introducing the business touch into the conversation. Bingo studied the menu devoutly. I'll have a cup of cocoa, cold veal and ham pie, slice of fruit cake, and a macaroon. Same for you, Bertie. I gazed at the man, revolted. That he could have been a pal of mine all these years and think me capable of insulting the old tum with this sort of stuff cut me to the quick. Or how about a bit of hot steak pudding with a sparkling limado to wash it down, said Bingo. You know, the way love can change a fellow is really frightful to contemplate. This chappy before me, who spoke in that absolutely careless way of macaroons and limado, was the man I had seen in happier days telling the head waiter at Claridge's exactly how he wanted the chef to prepare the sole frite au gourmet aux champignons and saying he would jolly well sling it back if it wasn't just right. Ghastly! Ghastly! A roll and butter and a small coffee seemed the only things on the list that hadn't been specially prepared by the nastier-minded members of the Borgia family for people they had a particular grudge against. So I chose them and Mabel hopped it. Well, said Bingo rapturously, I took it that he wanted my opinion of the female poisoner who had just left us. Very nice, I said. He seemed dissatisfied. You don't think she's the most wonderful girl you ever saw? He said wistfully. Oh, absolutely, I said to appease the blighter. Where did you meet her? At a subscription dance at Camberwell. What on earth were you doing at a subscription dance at Camberwell? Your man Jeeves asked me if I would buy a couple of tickets. It was in aid of some charity or other. Jeeves? I didn't know he went in for that sort of thing. Well, I suppose he has to relax a bit every now and then. Anyway, he was there, swinging a dash-deficient shoe. I hadn't meant to go at first, but I turned up for a lark. Oh, Bertie, think what I might have missed. What might you have missed? I asked, the old lemon being slightly clouded. Mabel, you chump! If I hadn't gone, I shouldn't have met Mabel. Ah, ah. At this point, Bingo fell into a species of trance and only came out of it to wrap himself round the pie and macaroon. Bertie, he said, I want your advice. Carry on. At least, uh, not your advice, because that wouldn't be much good to anybody. I mean, you're a pretty consummate old ass, aren't you? Not that I want to hurt your feelings, of course. No, no, I see that. What I wish you would do is to put the whole thing to that fellow Jeeves of yours and see what he suggests. You often told me that he's helped other pals of yours out of messes. From what you tell me, he's by way of being the brains of the family. He's never let me down yet. Then put my case to him. What case? My problem. What problem? Why, you poor fish, my uncle, of course. What do you think my uncle's going to say to all this? If I sprang it on him cold, he'd tie himself in knots on the hearth rug. One of these emotional Johnnies, eh? Somehow or other his mind has got to be prepared to receive the news. But how? Ah, that's a lot of help, that ah. You see, I'm pretty well dependent on the old boy. If he cut off my allowance, I should be very much in the soup. So you put the whole binge to Jeeves and see if he can't scare up a happy ending somehow. Tell him my future is in his hands and that if the wedding bells ring out, he can rely on me even under half my kingdom. 
Well, call it ten quid. Jeeves would exert himself with ten quid on the horizon. What? Undoubtedly, I said. I wasn't in the least surprised at Bingo wanting to lug Jeeves into his private affairs like this. It was the first thing I would have thought of doing myself if I'd been in any hole of any description. As I have frequently had occasion to observe, he is a bird of the ripest intellect, full of bright ideas. If anybody could fix things for poor old Bingo, he could. I stated the case to him that night after dinner. Jeeves? Sir? Are you busy just now? Uh, no, sir. I mean, not doing anything in particular? Uh, no, sir. It is my practice at this hour to read some improving book. But if you desire my services, this can easily be postponed, or indeed abandoned altogether. Well, I want your advice. It's about Mr. Little. A young Mr. Little, sir? Or the elder Mr. Little, his uncle, who lives in Puntsby Gardens? Jeeves seemed to know everything. Most amazing thing. I'd been pally with Bingo practically all my life, and yet I didn't remember ever having heard that his uncle lived anywhere in particular. How did you know he lived in Puntsby Gardens, I said. I am on terms of some intimacy with the elder Mr. Little's cook, sir. In fact, there is an understanding. I'm bound to say that this gave me a bit of a start. Somehow I'd never thought of Jeeves going in for that sort of thing. Do you mean you're engaged? It may be said to amount to that, sir. Well, well. She is a remarkably excellent cook, sir, said Jeeves, as though he felt called on to give some explanation. What was it you wished to ask me about Mr. Little? I sprang the details on him. And that's how the matter stands, Jeeves, I said. I think we ought to rally round a trifle and help poor old Bingo put the thing through. Tell me about old Mr. Little. What sort of chap is he?